Thank you. My name is Cheryl, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, and I want to um, thank the uh, Tonopah group for um, having me here to speak and for Marge asking me to speak. I appreciate it. Um, it's always a um, wonderful opportunity to share my experience, strength, and hope. And um, uh, my sobriety date is November 19th, ni- ugh, November 9th, 1994. Um, by the grace of God, I just celebrated 20 years of sobriety, and for that, I'm very blessed. And uh, um, I have a sponsor, and my sponsor is here with me tonight, and I'm really grateful for that. And uh, my husband is here with me tonight, and he's also a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and he has... Uh, so nicely, kindly warned me that I can sometimes speak a long time. So to watch, <laughs> to watch the you know the clock, and uh, I want to give everybody else an opportunity. And you know, um, with my birthday being in November, I've naturally been asked to speak a lot lately, and and I've kind of like just kind of. Sp- uh, thinking, well, God, are you done with me yet speaking? And then again, oh, you want me to speak again? Okay, I'll just keep doing what you asked me to do, you know? And um, I don't know really what I'm going to um, share. I've just asked that God speak through me and that someone hear something that they need. And um, I, uh, a little bit of what it was like is um, I grew up... Um, in a um, somewhat functioning alcoholic loving home, and um, I didn't. I understood what it was like to drink a lot, and drinking was normal. And drinking a lot, and falling down, and getting up—that was normal. I thought that was a normal thing that people did. As long as you went to work and you took care of your responsibilities, then then you were doing what you were supposed to. As long you could fall down at night, as long as you got up the next morning and went to work, then you were okay, you know. And um, I started um, drinking at um, at about ten years old. I started um, stealing um, alcohol from um, Seagram's from my mom's um, liquor cabinet in the mornings because we had moved again. I was a na- I was a child, I grew up um, in the Navy, my dad was in the Navy, so he moved a lot, and um, I was on a new, again, I had to go to a new school and meet new people, and I, th- and I thought, well, they, you know, it, they, uh, it appears that it makes them relax, so I'll try that, and uh, it helped me to go to the bus stop and get on the bus and be a little relaxed, and um, then it was just um, somewhat of a casual thing. And then as I, uh, we moved again, <laughs> I did a lot of geographics on my behalf and other people's behalf. <laughs> moved a lot. And uh, ended up in California, and that's where things really kicked off for me when I was probably about 14. Really started drinking and, and getting into some other substances, and this is an A meeting, and I'll res- respect that and um, stick to that. But um, it is part of my story, too, and I think it contributed to me um, hitting my own personal bottom at a young age. I was um, 26 years old when I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Not the first time that I had ever attended a meeting. I ended up at um, approximately 19 years old after being married for about six months um, to the um, 
the uh, my drug dealer that I had married in California. Um, we had moved to back to Indiana, and um, I ended up needing to go into treatment for stress. And um, I was fine with that because I would have rather been um, schizophrenic, bipolar, depressed, anything but an alcoholic. And I told them that. You know, they said, you need to go over to the alcohol um, side of the ward. And I said, no, I just have some mental issues. Just give me some medicine. Um, I'll get some counseling, and I'll be fine. They said, well, we really think that you have a problem with alcohol and drugs. And I said, no, I just need to, you know, take care of, you know, my mental (laughs) problems, and I'll be fine. They weren't able to convince me, and um, I stayed, though, for my 30 days, and I would leave on the weekends and go home and um, drink and then come back in. And it was um, one of those places, if you had good insurance, you know, you could kind of do that. And I learned to meditate and levitate and, you know, things like that. And and went to a few um, meetings. Don't really remember anything. I, seriously, I was just there to kind of take a vacation from life. You know, life was real stressful, I thought. And uh, then I thought the next natural thing was to, you know, to get out and to continue doing what I was doing because I had gotten a little bit of uh, mental help. And I thought, I'm, I'm okay now. And then I thought the next thing, because when I was a child, I didn't really want to grow up to be anything but a mom and a um, housewife. I didn't think about, oh, I want to be a doctor, or I want to be a nurse, or I want to be this. I want to be a mom and a housewife. That's what I wanted to do. And um, so I thought, well, it's time now to have a child. And um, I decided I was going to have a child with that drug-dealing husband of mine, and we were, it was going to make things better in our lives. So we set out to have um, our first child. Um, by the time that um, came about, um, I ended up with three children with that man. And um, I came into Alcoholics Anonymous through the effects of my control issues of thinking that if I got him better, then I would be better. Because then again, I was seeking out outside help because I knew that he needed to get better and that our life would be better if he got help. And um, we ended up in jail um, over a domestic violence charge. And um, we got out and went to... And I tell that because the jailer ended up being a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's in a small town down south. I got sober in Sierra Vista. Arizona and stayed there for 15 years of my recovery and um, that um, jeller likes to uh, remind me of what I was like that night and uh, I was very uh, arrogant and very hard to get along with he asked me do you want your tv dinner and I said f no and my husband next door said I'll take her tv dinner because it was a little small gel house you know there and we got out on our own recognizance, and we ended up having an appointment that day, and we went to see a counselor, and that counselor ended up being a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I don't know, for you guys, when I look back on that, I can really see that God was already working in my life. And I had given my um, life over to the God in a, in a Christian sense the year previous. And so I think God was like, okay, you know, he was working on me. 
he moved me to Arizona for a reason, and um, and he was working in my life. I also had a friend that was um, part of my life at the time that was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. So there was three people already in my life. And the counselor said, do you guys have a problem with drinking and drugging? And he said, she's an alcoholic. And I said, he's a drug addict. And they, she said, do you think you might want to go to a meeting? And that was a Monday night in, uh, in 1994. And I said, no, because I don't have the problem. He has the problem. And if he gets better, gets a job, takes care of us like he's supposed to, everything will be fine. And I still then wanted to um, put my problems on other people and not take responsibility. And if he failed at work, then I could play the poor me and the victim, and I was the poor housewife, and look what he's doing to me. Even though by noon, 4 o'clock, by the time he got home, I had well drank half a gallon or, you know, a vodka and was well on my way to being drunk most evenings. And um, so he ended up going to that meeting, and I had no plans to go to that meeting. And he brought home this big book and um, said, you know, the meeting was really great, and, you know, maybe you should try it. And I said no. And then on Wednesday night, I was um, drinking and um, feeling really good and picked up the big book and went to Bill's story because... I don't know about you guys, but when you pick up a book, you go to the story. You know, you don't, I don't, I always go to the back of the book or, and I saw, oh, Bill's story, I'll read that. That looks interesting. So I read and it talked about being off at the jump where Bill talks about taking the mattress down, least he jump. And I again was at a place in my life where I was thinking suicide was an option. And um, so I said, I'll try the meeting. And he said, um, well, this, it's suggested that you don't drink or use for 24 hours. And I said, I, I think I can do that. And by that time, I was well lit. So I only had to manage to pass out and go to sleep and wake up the next morning and not use the rest of the day. And by the grace of God, I was able to do that. Um, because, again, really, truly, honestly, I was only willing to go to, so he would go. And I could babysit to make sure that he went. And um, But I went, and... Um, I wanted to, uh, that went, the next day was Thursday night, and I wanted to, we went to the, I made it, not drinking or using, and we went to the 8 o'clock meeting there, the speaker meeting at the Serenity Club, and um, a man by the name of Larry M. was speaking, and he's still sober today, and all I can remember is him saying he didn't know who he was anymore. He was telling his story and what it was like when he got out of treatment, and I could identify with that, and they said just identify with something. And I found that identification right away. So I kept coming back to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and that night I really wanted to drink, but that um, husband at the time said, I've never been able to do this because he had been trying since he was 12 to get sober. And he said, I think our, you're the only hope that our children have. Because he, he said, I think I'll die an alcoholic addict. And you're the only... And, um, and I think today, maybe that is the truth, but I don't know, you know? I don't know what, I just know today that I'm sober and I've been a part of my kids' life for, um, since they were little, and luckily they weren't taken away from me in times when they should have been because I wasn't that good mom that I wanted to be. I wasn't that great housewife that I wanted to be, you know? Um, I did all the half measures and just the minimal to get by. And 
I got into the rooms and I started going to meetings and um, very grateful to the people in Alcoholics Anonymous. I got with some, you know, I listened to what they said. They said things like you need to call people, you need to take responsibility for your own sobriety. So I started reaching out to people right away. You know, and I was um, far out of town, kind of like you guys are out here. And it really, um, it, 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 I told Eric it was like being out there, like, kind of reminded me of being, like, in Whetstone in Wichuca City and near Tombstone where I lived before. I had 200 acres, and it was, like, open like that with mesquite trees. So it was kind of cool. It was like a reflection being back down south, you know. And, um, but I got off track there. And I can do that. And um, so I started reaching out because we lived far out and we only had one vehicle and I needed rides to meetings. And meetings were real scarce there, too. We only had sometimes two meetings a day in 30-mile radius in Co- all of Cochise County. And on Sundays, there was only one sometime. You know, kind of like you guys out here, you know. And, and uh, so um, I started reaching out and I got with people and... Um, I had moments where I, I really wanted to drink the entire time in the beginning of my sobriety because I yet hadn't admitted I was an alcoholic. Um, I got into the book. People took me into the book, and it was explained to me the disease of alcoholism. So I then understood that it was not the fact that my biological father gave me up when I was little and um, wanted nothing to do with me or the fact that I was raped when I was 14 and beaten and because I always thought those were the reasons I drank, to get rid of those feelings, not fitting in, moving. You know, I was always searching for people, places, and things to fill this void inside of me. And I found out that it wasn't those, those weren't the reasons I drank. I drank because I have the disease of alcoholism. I have a mental obsession that's so strong and so powerful that when I'm not drinking, I'm in the middle of my disease, that it wants me to drink so bad that it just compels me over anything to do that. And um, then I also learned that as long as I don't put alcohol in my body, I won't trigger the allergy. And, um, and that I was spiritually sick, that this is a threefold disease, and I was spiritually sick, and that's why I was empty inside, and I needed something to, to fill that. And that I, um, that I had lack of power. I remember calling my sponsor, um, one of the sponsors that I had, because I got fired by my first one, because I was really, really mean to her. I mean, really mean. I was a really sick person. I would call her bad names and hang up on her, and and um, and she's still my friend today, and I'm, I'm amazed. And I know if I did that to my sponsor today, she wouldn't have And uh, um. I got with uh, I got the pamphlet on sponsorship, and it said you know to get somebody, and I ended up getting a sponsor. And I remember calling the sponsor because I was reading the um, twenty four hours and the daily reflections, and I would do all that stuff you guys suggested, except not work the steps because the steps would not work for me. They would work for you, but they wouldn't work for me because I was different, and you guys didn't understand poor little Cheryl being you know having five restraining orders against the husband at the time and losing her house to a fire and when I had six months sober and having to move into a hotel, you know, and things that you guys didn't understand that, you know. But you guys were all there to help me recover. You were all there to feed me and clothe me and my children and help me rebuild my life. 
but the steps wouldn't work for me. So I remember telling my sponsor, I know what my problem is, and she said, you don't have an effing clue what your problem is. You're powerless. And until you find a power that um, will help you, you're not going to get better. You need to work the steps. And I just didn't want to do that fourth step. So she came up with a schedule for me because I could avoid everything. And she literally wrote out, and I still have this schedule. It said 6.30 a.m. you get up, you get the kids ready for school. 6.45 you do this. 7 o'clock you do this. 8 o'clock you do this. 9 o'clock you do this. And she gave me an hour of time to do things around the house because I was always like, well, I can clean the house. And I had a really good clean house when I wanted, should have been doing my fourth step. And um, so then... Um, that worked for a little bit, and I focused on it for a little bit, but I was really angry, and I was really angry at that man in my life, and I thought, I know um, what I need to do is I need to get rid of him, so I'm going to kill him. And um, he had been out on a three- or four-day bender and hadn't been home and left us again without a car and no money or no food and you know, in our home, and when he came home, I was going to stab him in the back. And I set out to do that, and he caught me. And then I got into my bed and was going to just lay there and, you know, I don't know what I was going to do. I was just going to lay there, I guess. And he called my sponsor, how dare him. And she came over and ripped my blankets off my bed and told me to get my butt out of bed. And she said, you have a choice now. You either need to work the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and get a spiritual life, or you're going to die an alcoholic death. Or worse yet, you might kill somebody. And I thought, and I guess God again said, this is enough. And I got on my knees and I prayed. And within a week, I had that, that steps um, done, the fourth step, the fifth step, the sixth step. And like it says in the big book, I mean, I went from four to eight in one night. I went to my sponsor's house. Her husband watched my kids. I was not allowed to leave until I had my eighth step started. And the next day, and um, I had worked one, two, and three formally, too. Just And she sat down with me, and we read the uh, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous from the front to the back. And it is definitely is a design for living in rough going. And I started doing what it suggests. When all else fails, work with another alcoholic, because my life was completely insane. Being sober, being you know married to a, an active alcoholic at the time, I was just completely crazy. And the thing that saved my life in all those 15 years of sobriety down there was, um, was working with others, was reaching out to other people and being of service. If I hadn't gotten involved in service at the area at level, the um, group level and things, and working with newcomers and people, I just know that I just really feel that my life would not have been the same. And you guys told me I needed to do that, and the big book told me I needed to do that. And I truly believed what the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous has in its pages because it took this um, helpless, empty person that I had become, a full-blown alcoholic at 26 years old, and through the grace of God, and the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and the people in the program, the people and the willingness that I had to help others, it took me and it gave me what it says is it, um, you know, it'll, you'll have a spiritual awakening as the result of 
these steps. And I did. And um, no longer after I did that fourth step did I want to drink. And then no longer after I finished the rest steps and I kept doing what it said in the big book and what you people told me, that filling in this in here that was empty, it was full. I no longer needed to fill it with people, places, and things. And since then, and I'm going to finish it up here um, shortly, but since then, um, I moved to um, up here. I followed some friends that I had that were there in my first days of drinking in Sierra Vista, and they have um, much more sobriety than I do and that I have a lot of respect for. They moved up here many years ago, and I would come up here and visit, and I had um, gotten a divorce from the second alcoholic that I married in recovery <laughs> and because I had divorced the first one and wanted a, f- I always just wanted a family and just wanted a happy home. So I married um, somebody that I thought had the material things that I needed for my children. And um, I ended up getting divorced from him and I moved to um, Phoenix at the suggestion of those friends. They said, we think you need a change. And I, and I, in the type of business I was in, and I had owned a business with that husband down in Sierra Vista, it was hard for me to get um, away from, from that. So I needed a change. So I came up here. And when I got up here, I think um, my son said it the other day, my son that, that is the one that set the house on fire that is now going to college um, to be a doctor, said to me, when you moved to Phoenix, um, you were sober, Mom, and you were helping others, and you were doing good. But when you moved to Phoenix and you met Carmelita, she started to teach you how to be a lady and really grow up. And that's coming from my 23-year-old son, you know, and, um, and it just really, he was here for Thanksgiving, and he told me that. And that's pretty much summarizes the last uh, five years of my sobriety. It's been about growing up. It learned. I finally learned to be alone in sobriety. I went um, a year without a relationship, without anything but me and God and my home and my life and, and getting things together and my sponsor and guiding me and a lot of tears and a lot of meditation and a lot of prayer and a lot of journaling and a lot of writing to God and just building that relationship with me and God. And um, and God was preparing me. He was preparing me for the next stage of my life, the new beginning in my life. And um, I just started to grow, and I started to get involved in things outside of Alcoholics Anonymous. It talks about um, don't be afraid to seek out, you know, religious help and things like that. And I got back involved in my church, and and um, and my life just was really full. And then I um, started to participate in um, hiking and things like that with people in the program. And um, this guy, this guy (laughs) was um, coming to meetings and we were friends and um, he, we were seriously, we were just friends and we had no idea that we were going to end up um, liking each other, you know? And, uh, we ended up uh, liking each other and then loving each other. And, um, and we got married on April 26th. And um, he's sober. 
<laughs> and um, it's the first normal sane relationship that I've ever had in my entire life. And, um, and I'm just, uh, and what's really cool is he knows this and, and my higher power, um, because of my higher power, Eric knows that I don't need him. I want to be with him, but I don't need him because I have God in my life today and I have the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and I keep that in the forefront of my mind. If I put God first, the program, others, then myself, you know, self, and I just, then God's going to give me what I need to be the best wife I can and the best mother I can. And I'm starting to become that wonderful mother that I wanted to be, building a great wife and, um, I'm truly blessed, and I'm truly grateful that you guys asked me to speak, and um, it's always hard to get, like, your whole, I always tell Carmelita, I don't know how she can get, like, 36 years of sobriety in an hour, you know, <laughs> time, you know, but it's, uh, it's always hard to get it, but um, like I said, I just ask God to help me to speak, and and as always, he does um, for me what I can't do for myself. And thank you guys for giving me this opportunity to share a little bit of my life and my story and my recovery with you. And um, for that, I'm grateful. That's all I got. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you.